the preteen podcast. We are on location. Uh, we're recording this from uh, my house, which means the special guest is back. Hey guys, it's Casey. <laughs> yeah, so she, we, I was planning on getting a new special guest. It's Casey. But now that I'm at our house, it's kind of hard to do that. So um, we are excited to be back for episode number four. To start out, I have a fun fact. Okay, now this is, again, I should put a disclaimer of these facts, I found them on the internet, and so don't always believe everything you read on the internet, but this is on like a Discovery Channel website or something, so I, I trust it. It said, it is physically impossible for pigs to look up into the sky. Did you know that? I did not. No, I, I didn't know that it was... Um, like, I didn't know that was a thing that they couldn't look up. I don't know how or why. But if you ever want to sneak up on a pig, you just need to go from above. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> I feel like that's a little too hard. Um, well, that's, I don't know. Anyway, so so there, that's my fun fact. And now it's time for everybody's favorite segment. It's Miss Casey's Joke Corner. Well... Okay, you know, we love you, Jared, and we love the effort that you're putting into the podcast. And we do appreciate the jokes, but I got a little bit of help this week from Sawyer and Caroline Bell, and they're going to tell us the joke. So guys, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Hi, guys! So I have a joke, and I think it's kind of funny. This is actually my brother's idea, but I decided to do it. Okay, here it is. I walked into the grocery store, and the sign said, no food or drinks inside. So I left. That <laughs> <laughs> was a good joke. Really I like that. I like that. I, I, It was a good joke. I'm a bit disappointed that my joke was cut out for that, but I like that. Keep sending your jokes. The yes. better than mine, Miss Casey says. Um, <laughs> but now, away from the joke to the serious stuff, okay? Always a smooth transition. Yeah, it is. So this week we're going to be talking about what does God say about following him? The Bible tells us a lot about about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit. But I want to start just thinking about different people in the Bible. A few names came to mind when I was thinking about, you know, followers of Christ, like people who follow God. I thought of Moses, like, you know, he, he led a nation, you know, away from captivity by following God and, and life wasn't easy for him. The people in Egypt didn't like Moses and the Israelites, once he rescued him, didn't like him either. They were like, I want to go back. Esther, she had to speak before the king, but she could have been killed by doing that. There's lots of people in the Bible when you think a bit about it, life wasn't easy for them to follow God. And so the challenge they had was that it was going to be greatly rewarding, but greatly difficult to follow God. And, and it's the same for us. There's going to be a great reward for us if we choose to follow God faithfully, but it's also going to be really, really difficult. And and so who, who do we think set the best example of following God? Like there's loads of people in the Bible, like Moses, Abraham, like Joshua, like, but the person who followed God the best was the son, was Jesus. And so he, when I was thinking of this, when I was writing this down, actually, we recorded The Norm today and, and Miss Katie was on there and, and she kind of talked a little bit about Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and that's kind of a great example of, of faithfulness and following God is that Jesus was praying when he was about to be taken away to die and he asked God, like, if there's any other way for this to happen, please make it happen. But if there isn't, I'm all into what you're trying to do, God. Like, I will be faithful and follow your plan. Jesus submitted to God, taken on 
totally unimaginable pain for the good of all of us. And so uh, here's what it says in Matthew 16, 24 through 26, the, the kind of heading over it says, take up your cross. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? And and I thought that was, that's a really like impactful verse that I've heard taught on and preached on so many times and, you know, sermons on Sundays or like at youth camp, like that is that is a message that we never need to not hear. Like it's always relevant for us because it's kind of talking about a life of sacrifice. Jesus told people that wanted to follow him that they had to be prepared to do whatever he did for the cause. And, and Jesus was chased by people, like chased out of towns. He was lied about. He was bullied. He was beaten and spat at and ridiculed and ultimately killed. Jesus didn't live life in the comfort zone. He lived life following his father, following God, but in a way that was was not reckless, but but dangerous, you know, in, in his obedience. And even thinking out like when he was talking to the rich young ruler, talking about how that guy loved his money so much that he needed to fall out of love with his money and stuff in order to fall into love with God. And, and that was a challenge too far. But to follow Jesus is about putting him as number one and living a life of sacrifice. And He's super open about that the whole time um, in the Bible, even when talking with his disciples. And following Jesus is hard, but it's worth it. And that's kind of what he's getting at in verse 26, when it says, For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? We can do nothing outside of him, and, and we need to follow him wholeheartedly. And if we do, there is great reward for that. Yeah, and I think that sometimes it seems just totally countercultural to, I mean, that's often how the Bible reads is, is just very countercultural because Jesus is perfect and we live in a broken world that holds things important that really aren't. But really following Jesus is just a constant humbling of ourselves and asking him to help us uh, humble ourselves so that we can choose to love him and love others more than ourselves. And it sounds weird because culture says that we need to be putting ourselves first, treating ourselves, self-care and all these things. And it's like, yes, those things are important, but really what's the most important is following Jesus. And it's amazing that the more you start to put others' interests first and Jesus first, how satisfied you are and how much your faith mm. grows in that. And you don't feel like you're really missing out on anything. Yeah, that is really good. And, and this is a pretty big question. What does God say about following him? Yeah, There's a whole lot you could go out with this. And, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of talking, you know, today about like sacrifice and kind of, yeah, like you've said about, you know, dying to self. But listen to what Paul says in, in, in 2 Corinthians. Paul was a guy who, who used to kill Christians and used to harass them as much as he could. And, and he met with, with Jesus and his life was totally turned around. And it wasn't easy for him. You know, he was probably doing pretty well when he was chasing the Christians and pretty rich, probably had a comfortable life. But when he started to follow Jesus, he was shipwrecked several times, yeah. thrown in jail several times, chased out of towns. Like, he had a pretty rough life, but this is what he says in, in 2 Corinthians 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. He was basically saying life is crummy 
And do you guys say crummy? Is that a British thing? I don't know. I mean, we he, do, but not as much as you guys He do. was saying that, like, life was hard. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Like, he's saying, this is hard, but it's not all over. You know, it's not worthless. It's not meaningless. He was saying, it's rough being a Christian. It's rough doing the right thing and following God right now. But I have not been abandoned. Like, he knows that God is with him. And that that's an encouragement, too. We're called to live a life of sacrifice, but... Also know that God is with us as we are doing that because that honors and worships him. Yeah, and I think that when it talks about in First Peter, it's one of my favorite passages that we have a living hope. That's what makes it all worth it is we know in Christ we have everything that we could ever want and need. And ultimately, like we have heaven to be with our creator and he fills all of those voids in our life that we feel like are missing. And I was reading or listening to a Bible study earlier today by Priscilla Shire. I don't know how to correctly say her name, but it talks about how often we want to see God move, we want to see miracles, but how often are we praying to get out of a situation or praying for a situation to change in a way that causes us um, the least amount of hurt and all these things. And it's not like those things are bad, but there's so many times, and I was convicted of this because I do this all the time, of where I'm not putting myself in situations where I can see God move. I'm choosing to stay in my comfort zone. And she was talking about how so often we don't want to be put in situations where we can't handle it all. And that's probably one of my biggest struggles is because I just don't want to feel like I'm not enough or that I don't measure up. And honestly, like, that's okay. Like, that's exactly why I need Jesus. Um, he makes me enough. He makes me complete. And he does more through me than I could ever do by myself. And honestly, like if we're not trusting Jesus, um, because there is an element of trust, if we're not doing things um, that he's called us to do and taking a little bit of a leap of faith, then how is our faith expected to grow if there's no faith involved? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I mean, so we've talked a little bit about the sacrifice that's involved in that. Um, you've kind of touched on a little bit like the priorities we have, you know, and, and knowing that we're called to serve faithfully, serve sacrificially, knowing that we have the Holy Spirit with us if we're Christians. But this is what the writer of James says. And oh, before I said 2 Corinthians 8 and I lied to everybody, <laughs> it was 2 Corinthians 4, 8. I had to quickly find that on my phone, which was distracting, but I did it. But this is what it says in James. And again, I've literally not put where in James, but I know that it's verse 2. Um, oh, chapter one. Perfect. Good job. Okay, thank you. So, in James chapter one, apparently, <laughs> verse two, it says this. It says, uh, "Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing." So the second verse says, "You should be happy when life is hard." Now, it's not meaning like you should literally be happy and smiling on your face when things are difficult. It's realizing that when things are hard, you have to have more faith, kind of like what you were talking about. When you're in a position when it's difficult, you are required to trust God more than you did when you weren't feeling like it was difficult. Yeah, and like we don't need to be afraid that we're not going to be enough because he's called us. And if he's called us, he's going to qualify us to do that work. Yeah, and he says that in verse 3, that the testing of your faith produces endurance. When we are trusting in God, it grows in us our character. It helps sanctify us and make us more like Jesus. And it says, and let endurance have its full effect so you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Like you're saying, like God is giving us all we need in those moments to trust in him and be faithful. And so 
this, yeah, like this was a big question. What does God say about following him? There's a lot more involved in that than, than just this. But this is about living sacrificially and knowing that it's going to be difficult sometimes. And honestly, I, I man, I read about it somewhere or thought about it or talked with someone about it like <laughs> six months ago. If it isn't difficult, the faith you're living out, if it isn't difficult, what are you doing? It's in the Beatitudes. That was it. I taught it a while ago. But it's like, if your faith isn't isn't challenging you or putting you in situations where you'll kind of find it difficult or stressed out or having to trust God, like you're living in that comfort zone. And so that's what we're called to, you know, endure the hardships of, of being made fun of at school, you know, because we're going to church or, or being left out, you know, by, by friends because we're trying to tell them about Jesus because there will be a reward, not just on earth, but one day we'll get to be with him in heaven. And in the meantime, like it said in James, God is using those trials to glorify him and to refine us as believers. And so, yeah, big question. What does God say about following him? But today we just talked a little bit about kind of, yeah, living a life of sacrifice, being willing to endure hardship for kind of the greater good. And so kids, that's that's going to happen now. And, it, and some of you will already be noticing areas of their life that are tricky because you're trying to follow God. And that's never going to change. It's always going to be that way. And so be encouraged that God promises to be with us in those things and think of Paul's mindset of knowing that it is hard, but he knew that he had Jesus and so he wasn't crushed. And so that's important. Now, we'll transition as we start to head towards the end of our episode for one of my favorite segments, which I have <laughs> written down. It says in England, we, which isn't a very helpful segment no. title, but we're talking about things that are different in England compared to America. So Casey, what would you say like a bog is? In... Like a swamp? Right. Yeah. Like a swamp. Swampy? Swampy, yes. Like they have them in Florida and stuff. Yeah. Like the Everglades and all that. It's cool. Um, <laughs> I really wanted one of those. You know those rafts that go on swamps? Have you seen those? It's got like a giant fan at the back and oh, it goes. Yeah. yeah, I wanted one of those, but I don't like alligators or crocodiles. I thought you were so. saying that you wanted a swamp and I'm like, well, we should have, you know. I yeah, know. we need to relocate. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in England, a bog is actually a colloquial term for the toilet so if you say i need to go to the bog <laughs> that means i have to go do some business in the bathroom oh my god i know so but the, so that got us thinking about like we call it a lot of different things like you guys yeah. call it like the restroom right which makes no sense because you don't sleep in there and then it's also called the bathroom no it's only called the bathroom jared there's a bath but not everyone says that though some people would say like i gotta go to the bathroom if they're in a restaurant and it's like I mean, you're going to take a bath in the restaurant? I don't know. But so anyway, in England, there's like lots of different words. Like some are like ants, uh, aunties, as I call them. That's a different one. Do you yeah, say auntie? Not really. Okay. So my aunties. And um, we'd call it the netty, but they're Geordie. So they say the netty because we don't pronounce our T's. But most British people will just call it the loo. Yeah. And we, you know, if you're in a restaurant, you're like, excuse me, where's the loo? And instead, instead of saying like, what is, what am I even thinking of? I can only think of the English term, but they would say, instead of saying toilet paper, they say like toilet loo roll, roll yeah. or loo roll. Or like and kitchen roll, like, like you have kitchen, kitchen towels. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyways, life is crazy. But to wrap up, uh, <laughs> Casey has a call to action or challenge for us. Yes. I always appreciate your smooth transitions, Jared. You mock them, but I had some great ones. Did you do that one with Ellen DeGeneres after that the was, sneaker okay, drill? That was really good. Yeah. Excuse me, this is my time. All right, so your call to action is to buy a gift for your mom or dad, or if you're like me and don't have a lot of funds, let's just do make a gift for your mom or dad. Yeah, it might be hard to get out right now, and so, yeah. (laughs) 
and making a gift making a gift like some people are good at making it like if i had to make a gift it would be hard because i'm not that creative but think about it you guys you know like whether it's like a card or whether you draw a picture or craft something like just take some time to kind of put some thought and, and effort into making something that your parents might appreciate underneath this podcast we're now on like since we recorded these last like we're on like Spotify now and Apple Podcasts and you can catch us on the Chillman Dudes blog and I'm gonna be famous, y'all. <laughs> if you have if you have joke suggestions, topic suggestions, Carissa didn't want us to have the music. She said it was annoying. Well, Carissa, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I love the music. Um, but we've had, like, yeah, like, the Randalls have sent us messages. I know the Culvers have been listening. Or the Bell sent us that joke. Like, yeah, keep in touch with us. Suggestions. We love it. We'd love to hear from you. And we will see you next time. Bye. <laughs> you always say bye. That's great. Bye, guys. I'm going to mess with my impression of Casey. Bye. Is that good? <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> bye, guys. <laughs>